Chapter 11 of On the Duties of the Clergy, Book the Third. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On the Duties of the Clergy by St. Ambrose, Book the Third, Chapter 11. Having adduced examples of certain frauds, Found in a few passages of the rhetoricians, he shows that these and all others are more fully and plainly condemned in Scripture. I shall say nothing of the snapping of fingers, or the naked dancing of the air at entering on an inheritance. These are well-known things. Nor will I speak of the mass of fishes gathered up at a pretended fishing expedition to excite the buyer's desires. For why did he show himself so eager for luxuries and delicacies as to allow fraud of this character? What need is there for me to speak of that well-known story of the pleasant and quiet retreat at Syracuse, and of the cunning of a Sicilian? For he having found a stranger, and knowing that he was anxious to buy an estate, asked him to his grounds for a meal. He accepted, and on the following day he came. There the sight of a great number of fishermen met his eyes, and a banquet laid out in the most splendid profusion. In the sight of the guests, fishers were placed in the garden grounds, where no net had ever been laid before. Each one in turn presented to the guests what he had taken. The fish were placed upon the table, and caught the glance of those who sat there. The stranger wondered at the large quantity of fish and the number of boats there were. The answer given was that this was the great water supply and that great numbers of fish came there because of the sweetness of the water. To be brief, he drew on the stranger to be urgent in getting the grounds. He willingly allows himself to be induced to sell them and seemingly with a heavy heart he receives the money. On the next day the purchaser comes to the grounds with his friends but finds no boat there. On asking whether perhaps the fishermen were observing a festival on that day, he is told that, with the exception of yesterday, they were never wont to fish there. But what power had he to proceed against such a fraud, who had so shamefully grasped at such luxuries? For he, who convicts another of a fault, ought himself to be free from it. I will not therefore include such trifles as these, under the power of ecclesiastical censure, for that altogether condemns every desire for dishonourable gain, and briefly, with few words, forbids every sharp and cunning action. And what shall I say of him who claims to be the heir or legatee, on the proof of a will, which, though falsified by others, yet was known to be so by him, and who tries to make a gain through another's crime, though even the laws of the state convict him who knowingly makes use of a false will, as guilty of a wrong action. But the law of justice is plain, namely, that a good man ought not to go aside from the truth, nor to inflict an unjust loss on any one, nor to act at all deceitfully, or to take part in any fraud. What is clearer, however, on this point, than the case of Ananias? He acted falsely as regards the price he got for his land, for he sold it, and laid at the apostles' feet part of the price, pretending it was the whole amount. For this he perished as guilty of fraud. He might have offered nothing and have acted so without committing a fraud. 
but as deceit entered into his action, he gained no favor for his liberality, but paid the penalty for his artifice. The Lord also in the gospel rejected those coming to him with guile, saying, The foxes have holes. For he bids us live in simplicity and innocency of heart. David also says, Thou hast used deceit as a sharp razor, pointing out by this the treacherous man, just as an implement of this kind is used to help adorn a man, yet often wounds him. If anyone makes a show of favor, and yet plans deceit after the example of the traitor, so as to give up to death him whom he ought to guard, let him be looked on in the light of that instrument which is wont to wound, owing to the vice of a drunken mind and a trembling hand. Thus that man drunk with the wine of wickedness brought death on the high priest Ahimelech, through a terrible act of treachery, because he had received the prophet with hospitality when the king, roused by the stings of envy, was following him. End of chapter 11